Good morning. I have a couple of announcements as I welcome you here today. I want to let you know that the Council on Ministries meeting today has been canceled and so has the membership and evangelism meeting has also been canceled, excuse me. And Wayne Morris wanted to speak. There you go. Wayne, come on, make your way up here. And um, we recognized eight rising third graders. Yes, we did. At the nine o'clock service. Were you going to read those names? You want me to, you were? Okay, we'll hold off on that. All right, go ahead, Wayne. Good morning. I just wanted to uh, remind everyone about the ice cream social tonight, uh, starting at 5.30. Uh, hopefully, um, everyone can come out, um, have a good, good time of fellowship, and also you can preview a lot of the fall programs that the church will be offering from the kids on up to adults. And uh, like I said, just uh, hopefully everybody can make that. And also, I uh, just wanted to remind everyone about in September, uh, the Wednesday night suppers will uh, get started again. Uh, it'll be the first Wednesday night of the month. Uh, just a few changes this year. Uh, changed it up as far as uh, it's going to be called Supper at 6. So we're going to push the time back a little bit. And then also asking that if you can, uh, just to RSVP. So we've got a good uh, number. But please, if you uh, for some reason forget to RSVP or your schedule changes and you can make it, please come. We're going to plan for extra, so uh, we'll, we'll work it out. But uh, if you have any questions, just see me or Christy or call. And uh, hopefully uh, everybody that, that can, I know it's a busy time during the week, but if you can, to make it. And thanks. Thank you, Wayne. This is Library Day. Just remind you of the children that at the proper time you follow Miss Beth and her helper out to the door. Let us begin our worship together.
Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray together. Almighty God, make us loyal followers of our living Lord, that we may always hear his word, follow his teachings, and live in his spirit, and hasten the day when every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. To your eternal glory. Amen. Let us affirm our faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Be seated and let our children come forth for our children's time.
Um, I wondered if you know what this is and what it's for. Clean stuff? Well, yes, in a sense. But what particular stuff does it clean? It gets rid of weeds. Roundup. Now, you have to be careful what you spray it on because if you spray it on something that's not a weed, it's going to take it out also. But what, what are weeds? Yes, They're plants that um, grows in grass that um, take water from other plants. Right, so do we want weeds? Obviously not, because they're going to take away from the beauty of the flowers or the vegetables that we're trying to grow. <clears throat> they hinder the growth of those flowers um, because they're unsightly, they're, they're ugly. Um, they are real aggravation. They grow fast. They grow faster than the plants that we're trying to grow, it seems. Um, do we plant seeds for weeds? No. We never know where those seeds come from, but they are always there. They, you know, these weeds are so bothersome sometimes we really think of them as evil. They seem to have a mind of their own. They seem to just regenerate. We kill them and they come back and they come back, but we really don't like them very much. Well, in today's parable from the book of Matthew, Jesus talks about weeds. Now, what are parables? Yes, ma'am. Stories. Do those particular stories have a purpose? What, what, Jesus had a purpose by telling those stories. What did he want? Why did he tell those stories? Yes, ma'am. to tell everybody about Jesus, to tell us um, and the folks that listened to him. He wanted to show us how to live, how to live our lives in, in a Christian way, in a good way. Jesus wants us to believe that we are good seeds, that we come from good seeds, not weedy seeds, but good seeds. And we are, are nurtured like beautiful plants, by God's love and by his grace. And as we grow, God wants us to share his love. He wants us to live like beautiful flowers, not like ugly weeds. Now, before you leave today, I'm going to give you, well, well there go all my cards. Can you hand me those, please? Thank you. I'm going to give you And I want you to take these home. Now, who knows what kind of season we're in these days. Everything seems a little confused. But whenever it's time to plant seeds again, I'd like for you to plant these and nurture them like you want to be nurtured. Take care of all the weeds. Don't let the weeds take over the flowers. And then you'll have a beautiful garden of flowers or a beautiful pot of flowers at some point. Thank you. Well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love. Help us to be beautiful seeds and examples of your love. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.
Okay, I kind of tricked you. Children's time isn't over. I have a few more things I want to tell you, okay? Today is a really special Sunday for our church. Some of us are still wearing our party hats, or you may have heard some horns blowing during the Sunday school hour, because what do we celebrate today in Sunday school? Yes. Going back to school, we also changed Sunday school classes. So today was promotion Sunday, so that's why there was a little extra excitement during the Sunday school hour today. And along with that, we have back-to-school blessings on this day, and we gave our third graders their Bibles. It just so happens that today the third graders chose to receive their Bibles in our early service, but I wanted the church to know that we presented eight Bibles this morning to our third graders, and those were Lauren Clute, Rafe White, Evren Hummerkhaus, Hudson Brannon, Cody Nason, Hannah Driscoll, Christy Hudson, and Riley Stanton. And we are so proud of these children. So if you see them, I'm sure they would love to show you their new Bible that they received as a gift from you this morning. Now, with back to school blessings, we always, we have a tradition of always letting you know that the church is thinking about you as you go back to school. And we do that through a special blessing that we offer to students and teachers and staff and administrators, anybody going back to school in any way. So before Pastor Joseph offers that blessing, I want you to stand with me up here when he offers that. And then anyone in the congregation who is going back to school in any way, if you are a student, if you are a support staff at a school, any sort of faculty and staff, I would love for you to stand and receive this blessing as well. And then when you leave this morning, there's a special table in the narthex with some pencils and some erasers to help you get ready to go back to school this week, okay? So you can take those as a gift from the church when you leave this morning. Will you stand with me? Father, we give you thanks for all you have given us. We thank you for creating us and filling us with good things, for giving us your son, Jesus Christ, to show us the way to you. I pray, O oh Lord, that you'd bless these students, teachers, and support staff as they begin this new school year. Help them in all that they do to appreciate the goodness in themselves and to look for the good in those around them. Help them live their faith and love for you by loving those around them. Help them to see your presence always. May they turn to you in good times and in bad and know that you are their strength. And as they grow on the outside, may they grow on the inside in knowledge and love for you and others. Let your Holy Spirit give them the gifts of wisdom, understanding, and knowledge to help them learn the things you need them to know. May a blessing fall upon all children, students, teachers, and support staff this day in our community. Give them inquiring minds and discerning hearts. Give them courage to persevere in all that they undertake. Give them laughter and love to share with all. And give them protection and safety as they move out of our embrace. And give them sure and certain knowledge of your unfailing love. May our prayer be a blessing to everyone who it is prayed over today. And may it be a reminder for us all to keep these back to schoolers in our thoughts and prayers this week and throughout the school year. We ask all this through Jesus Christ our Lord and let the congregation say, Amen. Amen.
The scripture lesson for this morning is Romans 8, 13, and 14. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live, because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
As we come to this time of prayer, I want to, if most of you probably know, but in case you don't know, we lost a very important member of our congregation and community, Broadus Dobson, died last night. The funeral arrangements are still incomplete. I hope that you will wrap that family with plenty of prayers and love and care during the next few days. Let us pray. O oh God, in your mercy, hear the prayers of these thy people. O oh God, you are enthroned with the angels in heaven. You are the God who leads us like a shepherd, keeps us close with your everlasting arms, and your mercy extends to us forever. And so we come into your presence to offer praises to you, O oh God, to offer our petitions, our prayers, our thanksgiving, and our confessions. We confess this day, O oh God, that it is by faith that your children were saved. It is by faith that your inheritance was given into their hands. It is by faith that we've been justified through the blood of Jesus. And yet we confess this day, O oh God, that we don't live as people of faith. We, we don't resist sin. We resent your discipline. And we do not rejoice in being redeemed. We sacrifice our principles to gain temporary gain. And so we compromise with evil rather than take a stand for you. For our faithlessness and our failures, we pray this day, O oh God, that you would forgive us. That you'd, you would once more remind us that we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses whom you uphold in your strength of your spirit. And that you would give us that same Holy Spirit that we may too be faithful witnesses while we're in this world. And so we pray this day, O oh God, for those among us who are sick, who struggle with pain in mind, body, or spirit. We pray this day, O oh God, for those we've named with our prayer list and named with our voices and name in our hearts now. We pray for all who mourn this day. We pray that you would send them that peace that passes all understanding. We pray this day, O oh God, that you'd give them in us strength to persevere, to keep our eyes focused upon Jesus, who has won the prize of eternal life, and enable us to see the signs of your presence in our life and regard our prayers. For we offer them in the name of Jesus Christ, who is our Lord, who taught us to pray with these words. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Giving is an act of worship, we believe, and so let us continue to worship with our giving as our ushers come forward.
please be seated. We have um, some company came from Illinois, our three grands and uh, son and daughter-in-law, and then our daughter who's pregnant from over in Rock Hill, and her son came over Thursday, and so uh, Brenda sent them down to our house in Simpsonville. She's afraid it's going to tear up, the, destroy the parsonage, and so, uh, but uh, they're with us, and um, so this morning, uh, I said, well, y'all coming, whose church you going to? Well, they decided when they heard my sermon topic was hell, that they would go to Mother's Church at Woodruff. So I told Pastor Brenda to make sure she got a few moral uh, things in there that the kids need to hear <laughs> in her sermon. A few uh, weeks ago, we had a, um, I had printed, do you have any requests for sermon topics during the summer? And one of the sermon topics was somebody, you know, said, I'd like to hear something about hell. And so we, I said, I'm saving this to the children going to library day so that they don't bother most of your parents. I see there's still a few children in here. So you parents will have to clean it up <laughs> afterwards. But the scripture comes from Matthew 13 that I wanted to just lift up. It's, this, it's about the weeds uh, and it's Matthew 13 verse 40. As the Jesus' words, his red letter words, as the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels. They will weed out his kingdom and everything that causes sin and all who do evil. And they will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. And he who has ears, let him hear. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Uh, oh God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your scriptures. We thank you for your love for us that you would warn us about being separated from God in everlasting torment. And we pray, O oh Lord, that we are part of the redeemed and we'll be part of that righteous number that's counted in heaven. We pray, O oh Lord, that you'd continue to encourage us, lift us up, show us mercy and forgiveness when we fail. We pray in your name. Amen. A few years ago, we were up in Rochelle, Illinois, and uh, that was, uh, in those days, most people up there didn't have air conditioning. And, uh, but as the temperatures have got warmer and warmer in the summer, they broke down and bought some, but we happened to be up there when there wasn't any. And I, they were having a tremendous heat spell and I remember we were in a second floor bedroom and you know heat rises and so it was even worse in that bedroom and even though the windows were open the fans were going I remember laying there and and I couldn't sleep and I told Brenda I said this must be what hell is going to be like if we end up there she said shut your mouth <laughs> she said you don't even want to talk about that you might end up there I said, well, you know, you never know the way our life is going. And uh, she said, honey, she said, there's one thing I'm certain of. She says, I'm going to be in heaven. <laughs> Did you catch that? She didn't say we were going to be in heaven. She said, I'm going to be in heaven. But that very idea of hell, it seems to me like you can't appreciate heaven unless you understand a little bit about hell. 
But for many, the very idea of hell seems not in keeping with the concept of a loving and merciful God. And some even walk away from the Christian faith because they don't like the idea of a God that allows people to end up in hell. Uh, Bertrand Russell, who was a famous atheist, was often fond of saying that it was a serious defect in his mind, this whole Christianity thing, because of hell. And he thought that this that was so inhumane, he couldn't fathom it. And many people today have this opinion. Uh, it, it's fashionable, really, not to believe in hell, just to believe in heaven. And I, I think it's really sad because we cannot appreciate the fact that hell is really reserved for punishment, as the scripture said, for those who are evil and those who do evil. And all of us want justice to occur someday. We know we don't see justice occurring uh, in the world today. Judgment is the Lord's, and someday judgment will prevail, and the Lord will make sure that those who've done evil will have a place apart from Him. And that's what is called hell. But some people want to ask about what's hell like. I, I'm not really sure why you want, people want to know that, but sometimes they do. But to put it in a simple words, hell is separation from God. Now you see right now we don't even know what that means because we're not separated from God. We know we can call on God at any time. We know we have the Holy Spirit that is, surrounds us. We know that we feel the Spirit. We, we know that we can call upon God. But hell is the place where a person would be banished or an angel, an evil angel, would be banished to the pre from the presence of the Lord. And they'd be excluded from everything that's valuable and beautiful and everything that ultimately matters. And so hell is living forever in the presence of shame and regret and anguish and conscious failure. It's living forever without God. And Jesus described hell in some of the most... Um, vivid terms when he said things like it'd be a fiery furnace where there'd be weeping and gnashing of the teeth. Uh, in Mark 9, he talks about the worm will not die, the fire will not be quenched in hell. Jesus wants us to avoid hell at all costs. That's the reason we don't talk about it a whole lot because first of all, we are all, most of us are confessing Christians or are wanting to be. And we, and we know we've heard the promises of God given to us in scriptures and sermons and we want to believe that we will end up in heaven, not hell. But Jesus still wants to warn people that this is a reality. So that they, all have, a, they have a choice, really. A choice of either being against God and not taking God's favor and not accepting God's forgiveness, not accepting their invitation to be eternally with God or to reject God. Uh, which brings me really to uh, another question that's often asked, and that is, is this forever? It is. It is forever. Uh, your spirit is forever with the Lord Jesus or separated from the Lord Jesus. You either live in the eternal blessedness of heavenly realms or you live with the eternal suffering of hell. Prophet Isaiah said, who of us could ever dwell in this consuming fire? Who could dwell with an everlasting burning? 
You see, we couldn't. And that's the thing. That's why we want to be part of the redeemed. And anyone who's ever heard of it, the difference between heaven and hell, I've never heard anyone ever say, well, I want to go to hell. I've never heard anyone say that. Most people say, I want to go to heaven. What have I got to do? Well, the Bible's pretty clear. Confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and you will be saved. Now, another question that often comes up is, um, does God send people to hell? No. God doesn't send anyone to heaven or hell. I believe because of our free will, we make conscious choices, uh, and we make decisions, and we're either for God or we're against God. And those decisions is what creates our uh, future, uh, one way or the other. Um, I, I really believe that God wants everyone to be in heaven. And I believe that God tries to convince and to move and to send is anything that can be sent to people to try to convince them to turn away from their evil and to do good. There's an old movie. I like movies. I don't know if you like movies, but I love movies. And there's an old movie called Dead Man Walking. Anybody remember that movie, Dead Man Walking? In that movie, the premise was pretty clear. The nun was, uh, was the chaplain at that prison. She felt that if she could get him to confess Jesus Christ, his soul would be spared eternal hell. And in the movie, she did everything she could to get him to, to, to confess his sin and to turn from his sin and ask uh, for the Lord to come into his heart. And he still, in the end, rejected it. You see, the thing is, is that God will not create, he, God did not create slaves. God created human beings with the free will and a mind. God wants us to love him, but God will not force us to love him. God gives us this wonderful and terrible thing called freedom of will. We choose how we live each and every day. We make good decisions some days, bad decisions others. The Bible says that if we will confess that we've sinned, turn to the Lord, the Lord will forgive us. I don't know about you, but this unconditional love that God has for us, that wants us to avoid hell at all costs, is just mind-boggling. That love that God has for me, a sinner, uh, has always overwhelmed me. That's why you don't hear me preach hellfire and damnation sermons, because I believe that a whole lot more people respond to that unconditional love that says, God even loves me, a sinner. Yes, turn back to God and be saved. And so this, this God is not going to force you one way or the other. Um, J.P. Moreland has a good quote, and I wanted to read it to you from, who's a professor at the Talbot School of Theology. Uh, and, and he writes, if God has given people free will, then there's no guarantee that everybody's going to choose to cooperate with God. The option of forcing everyone to go to heaven, he said, is dehumanizing because it strips them of the dignity of making their own decision. It denies them freedom of choice and it treats them as a means to the end. God would not do that. God honors our choices, will not force us to love him. But I'm convinced that when we take the love that we have expressed and felt by God for us, and we share it with others who have not felt it, I have seen it, I know it works, it melts the hardness of people's hearts. God will 
ask us, God ask us, to be part of that mission, to go and to show compassion and forgiveness, even to those who are unlovable. Hoping and praying, just like in that movie, uh, where the nun hoped and prayed and did everything she could to save that soul, even though he was a despicable criminal. You know, a lot of people like to say that I can just live my life any old way, and then at the last minute, I'll ask for forgiveness. Lots of people will ask me every time I've ever done a Bible study, somebody will ask me, do you think Adolf Hitler is in heaven or hell? And I said, I don't know. I don't know where he is. I would think by his record of his life and what he did and, and what he ordered to have done, I said, it seems to me like he's in hell. And they said, well, what if he asked at the last minute, would God forgive him? I'd say, yes. That's how the love of God is. I said, but if you're counting on waiting to the very last minute to ask God to forgive you, I said, I wouldn't want to hedge my bets that way. I said, number one, you might not know that you're getting ready to die. You know, you, you, know, you might just be walking along not thinking about confessing your sins and asking for forgiveness and asking for the Lord to take you into heavenly places and you die. So don't risk it. Do it ahead of time. And second thing I like to tell people is this. Once you've been, your heart has hardened so much through repeated acts of evil uh, and violence, how in the world do you expect that your heart that keeps being hardened and hardened and hardened, it all of a sudden, oops, all of a sudden my heart's just going to open up and look around and go, oh, everything is wonderful. God, I am so sorry I did all those things. Forgive me. I don't think so. I think your, your heart gets hardened and more and more as you do evil things. And so it seems to me like Milton said it best when Milton said this, the choice of every lost soul can be expressed in the words, better to reign in hell than serve in heaven. And we live in a time when people will actually tell you that. They will say, well, I don't care about going to hell. That's fine. I'll go to hell. That's why I believe that the love of God is more effective than scaring people about hell. So, so when you're witnessing to people, love them unconditionally. That breaks them down every time. I have, I have seen this happen. Grown men who look like maybe they belonged in a motorcycle gang come to tears when they realize that Jesus Christ will forgive them and loves them anyway. You know, the Bible says that God hates hell, wants everyone to go to heaven. We know this because the Bible describes the heart of God over and over. In one of the places is 2 Peter 3, which I think is a very good one. He says, God is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And remember that one of the last acts that Jesus had, one of the last acts that Jesus had, when he was on the garden uh, uh, in the Mount of Olives, looking over down the valley, over into the city of Jerusalem, he wept. The scripture says in Matthew 23 that he wept over the people of Israel and he said these words, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who killed the prophets and stoned those who, who are sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together 
as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. And because of that, your house is left desolate. Jesus could see. Jesus could see the choices that the people were making and that it would destroy them and make their lives desolate. And He wept because He wanted them to be saved from their sin and from themselves. So He went and took the ultimate punishment for us. That concept of unconditional love for people who are sinners like us cannot help but grip your heart. If it doesn't grip your heart, then you're already dead and you're probably without hope. You see, the problem has always been our will. You know, the Garden of Eden, of course, is our story about how sin came into the world and you don't have to... It doesn't matter if you have a literal belief of that or if you just realize that that's a story to help explain it. That doesn't, that's not important. That's not, we never should argue about stuff like that. But the, what's important is that the disobedience brought sin. And we have been suffering from the consequences of that sin throughout every generation. In every family. There's not a family here that's not been hurt by the consequences of sin in some part of your family. It's because of our will. Our will. We can either be with God, be want to be part of God's kingdom, or we don't. C.S. Lewis, who was one of the great Christian writers, most people know him as a children's writer, lived in the 20th century. C.S. Lewis wrote these words, and I want to end with this. There are only two kinds of people in the end. There are those who say to God, Thy will be done. And there are those to whom God says in the end, Thy will be done. And all that are in hell have chose their will to be apart from God. The Lord says, I've set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Choose life so that you and your children may live. Contemplate hell, but remember the promises of God. And remember the hope that you have as professing and believing Christians. And remember that the Lord has extended to you forgiveness, mercy, and compassion before you ever knew it, whether or not you deserved it. Amen.
May you always know the promises of heaven because of the blessings of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the almighty, eternal, triune God, one God, now and forever. Amen.